comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, one second please. Please, Mr. Kennedy, We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Aloha! Out Now is a film podcast. Today we're now discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in discussion about the latest trailers, box office results, and predictions, a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games, and other fun stuff. This is... Are we numbering this episode? Or are we doing I don't the know. Bonus? It's kind of a special episode. Let's call it a bonus. Let's call yeah. it a bonus. Let's do that. Because it's the holiday season, and there's so many movies coming out, and we're just trying to get as many reviews kind of recorded and done and out there for you guys to listen to as we can. So, yeah, we'll just call this a bonus, as we've done in previous years as well. And today, we have a threefer, actually. We're going to just basically just do straight reviews. We have Anchorman 2, American Hustle, and Inside Lewin Davis. Three big releases for this season. Three movies I'm very excited to talk about, and joining us to discuss these movies we have from Laramie.com, Ropasilicon.com, the Brad and Laramie on Movies podcast, and the upcoming documentary, Whoop Dreams. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> it's Laramie Legal. Uh, you should have just called that PTSD Dreams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been a lot easier on me. Now, love the jugglers. Juggle life. One love. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I uh, I will definitely link the trailer to Whoop Dreams in the in the show notes, but I yeah I, I'm very we excited. got we got a surprising amount of views on that. I, the whole thing has been surprising. I wouldn't have thought anyone would kickstart that. I wouldn't have thought I would go, and I wouldn't have thought anyone watched the trailer. So it's really just been a dream at this point. And yeah. you anchor that trailer. It begins with you describing this this thing you're gonna do. In the, oh yeah, I'm all over that movie. Trust percent. me. So oh, my god, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I've watched the rough cut. It's pretty incredible and we're applying to some film festivals believe it or not so who knows All right. yeah people are gonna pay me to go to the gathering at some point here it's crazy <laughs> for whoop dreams too yeah yeah which you'll never do again maybe no no i will never go back and like if that check doesn't have six figures you can just stow the request because it's not happening <laughs> what if it's five figures and that grape drink or whatever ne- it is what is it negative not okay. going back never going back <laughs> all right um minor announcement stuff uh happy holidays to the listeners by the way if i don't remember to say that later on um what else as I said, this is the first of probably a few bonus episodes, so we'll have other reviews of like Walter Mitty and Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street, definitely, and whatever else we can get our get our mouths on too. I don't know. Mouths on? Mouths on? What? Yeah. Um, this is a fruit Yeah. Uh, iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. Helps out the show, helps people find our show, because we'd love to have more people find our show and also leave us iTunes reviews and ratings, but we know, whatever. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, we, we will have a top 10 show probably early January, just to make sure that everyone that's on that show has a chance to see all the movies that are kind of around at that time, except probably her for Abe. He probably won't get a chance to see her unless yeah, he... I think it's kind of like the second week of January. Yeah, it comes out the 10th, I think, with, with Lone Survivor, so you can double that up. That should be... <laughs> hilarious. I, I want to mention that my top ten comes out 
Monday the what twenty third? Ooh, all right. On, oh. on yeah, on Filmcom, and I will say a movie that you're reviewing that rhymes with Schmalter Kitty is in that top ten. Ooh, yeah, and a movie well, that yeah. you're also talking about that you could call Dub of Dub Street is not in that top ten. Oh, so, yeah. Make of that of what you will. Yeah. There might be a reverse in my version of that sentence, but let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Controversial already. Let's get the people wanting more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna see both of those and one of some of these other movies again within that span of time. So we'll because mine doesn't come out till the end of the year. So I have plenty of time to do mine up. <laughs> even though I mine comes out in 2014. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys, for rubbing it in my face. Hey, you, if you want to come see her with me in L.A. again, just drive down. Her is amazing. It is. You can see her. Her is, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. This is your dark 30 of, of my... Yeah, we'll basically, yeah, we'll basically review her after everyone else has already seen it. <laughs> yeah. After I've already pronounced it wherever it lands on my top 10. Anyway, I have one know everybody question. Oh, um, it, It's kind of a special request, so for the listener that really wants to hear this, I, I'm, I hope you're listening and happy. Uh, Laramie. Hmm. Can you do a Christopher Walken impersonation? I can, but only with like specific words. Do you want me to give it a shot? Uh, let me see, let me. I can. All right, here yeah, we go. Yeah, well, I mean, if you have, if you know, yeah, yeah. Words, go, yeah. Let me put the face on. Here we go. <laughs> so I says to the guy, "Guy, what are we doing?" Or something like that. So something like that, right? It's yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I just got up. Give me a break. At like three, it, three p.m., I would crush that. Guys, I had to take a sip. Yeah. A, I have one as well. It two mice fall in the bucket of cream. One <laughs> mice drowns, gives up. The other mice turns that cream so damn hard, it turns that cream into butter. I'm that second mouse. That's all I have as far as Christopher Walken impersonations go. Abe, do you have one? I uh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to work on it. I'll, I'll give it to you guys later. No, I just like that honesty is once again our best policy on out now. <laughs> I've never you been gotta, as much. You're going to want that cowbell in there. Remember that. <laughs> guys, I pants one leg at a time. <laughs> then I get up and I make gold records. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm glad Christopher Watkins and none of the movies we're talking about today, so we can move on now. But um, there you go, Gary. You got it. Okay, we have we have nothing else to do except just these reviews. Jump so into let's it. just jump right into it. Okay, so first one up, uh, let's do our review for Anchorman Two: The Legend Continues. That is gonna make one hell of a story. <laughs> From deep in the hinterlands to the greatest metropolis on earth, they came to reclaim the glory they once knew. Welcome to GNN, the Global News Network. Tell us about the new head honcho. Linda Jackson is a winner. Linda Jackson, how are you, my friend? This is Linda. Oh, black. <laughs> black. Bronze. Black. Aren't you the guy who lost his job to his wife? Wow, right on the lens. I'm sorry, sweetie, you're the best. Quick kiss. Hmm? Oh! Undaunted by the challenges they faced, they would not rest until they were number one again. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Anchorman 2. The news team is back. Ron and the gang have returned and are headed to New York to be a part of the 24-hour news network that will make broadcast history in 1980. Ron will face many adversaries, including a rival news anchor, possibly his own wife, and most importantly, himself, as Ron must figure out how to balance his work with his family. 
I think that was succinct, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Laramie, what did you think of Anchorman 2? I enjoyed Anchorman 2, as a matter of fact. Uh, I thought that it had, against the first one, it had more consistent laughs, but it felt too long, and it had less huge laughs, I guess would be my more complicated critique there. And I love how Adam McKay keeps sneaking in social commentary, like in the back door of his comedies, mm-hmm. <laughs> because no one else is really doing that. So other guys, you know, it was all about uh, corporate malfeasance, and Anchorman is really about how news just took a hard turn south towards the bottom. And do you guys remember when, like, headline news came out? I remember watching headline news and being like, what is this? Like, it goes every 30 minutes forever. <laughs> you know, like, it was just so ridiculous. <laughs> Um, Here's a question. I have just a random question. Were you guys reading like the bottom text when they yes, were doing the yeah. like, when the they're trial? doing the scrolls? I, I couldn't yeah. help but read that. <laughs> Some really funny stuff. Eight year old does whatever, whatever. It's like... My favorite stuff is the stuff with the shark, and I won't say more than that. But I, I love, <laughs> I love the stuff with the shark, even though it's completely goofy. Obviously, I want to. I'll go next, just because I want to. I want to explain. Like, the, I agree with you that the movie's too long. And I know, like, the exact, like, two scenes you can take out of this. One is this kind of, I won't, like, spoil it, but one's like this, well, one's a dinner table scene, which I think everyone knows about. But the other is this kind of 15-minute stretch where a certain thing happens that Ron goes through, and then it, like, ends. And you can take all of that out, and the movie would probably be better for it. But I think it's just so fun. I've seen the movie twice now, by the way, and I think it's just so funny. It's, I can't, it's the like, kung fu part of Anchorman 2. He's got to go back and learn. I, yeah, and I just, like, all that stuff's so funny to me, where I just can't, like, take it out and be like, it's, oh. <laughs> it's so silly, which is why it's hilarious. But it also like has nothing to do with anything and so yeah. that's why but i understand why they did it because it's clearly the silliest part and yeah. pretty awesome but yeah and it even like aids character in ways but like i don't know how much strength you need of the ron burgundy character in this movie. but i mean yeah it's just funny to me and it's just absurdist humor that's like what i that's what i like about the first movie as well like it has there's not like too much plot like the first movie the plot depends on like a panda that's mentioned like once in the first hour and then like it comes back to that at the end there's no plot for the rest of the movie really this one this one's strangely plot heavy kind of in the front and then it just goes into weird places as it moves along like like it has the it has a thing about like an airline being like problematic and you think that's going to like take up the main portion of the film and then that doesn't get, that doesn't mean anything that is like that's just like one thing they kind of knock out and it goes just into different directions involving Ron and his son and it it's just the thing i like about this movie a lot is it's not like hangover 2 it's not the same movie again like and i I was that was something I was anticipating to begin with. Not that it wasn't going to be that because I think Adam McKay and Will Ferrell are smart guys. I think that they know if they're going to make a movie that's a sequel to this this weird thing that was Anchorman, they're going to be smart about it. And that's what I feel like they pulled off. It's indulgent in ways because it is really long and it has a lot of bits that feel like they're just for them and hopefully other people laugh at them. But I laughed a lot in this movie and that's what I'm very happy with. I got to I went to a comedy I wanted to laugh at and I laughed a lot at it. So. And since you've seen it twice, it wasn't funnier the second time around. It plays, it plays in the, it plays in the way like where most McKay, Adam McKay comedies work, where I feel like they're just gonna keep working on me, and for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like I'll pick up, I'll laugh differently at different jokes, and I'll... and the stupid stuff gets stupider and more hilarious. Like, it, it does, seems like. yeah. yeah. That, like I think it's quite clear that I love Anchorman. Laramie, I assume you like Anchorman quite a bit. The first one. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay, so Abe, what, what are you, you, are you a big fan of the first Anchorman, and do, do you like this movie? I am a big fan of the first Anchorman, and there's not much uh, difference in my second or my opinion of the second one from you guys. So I did like it a lot too. I laughed 
pretty consistently. Um, I didn't think it was too long, but maybe it's because I was just kind of wondering where this movie was going to go. Um, I do agree that there's the section where Ron has to go re- redefine himself that could be a little bit shorter, but then that would that would work against Laramie's shark scenes. So um, yeah, that's the problem. That thing. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I especially liked the commentary in this, and that's um, probably because the first one was really absurd and just full of laughs. But this one actually has a—I don't know if it actually has a point, but it does bring up the point of it has hey, stuff in there. Like it, it feels doing journalism here. You guys are just doing sensationalism. I actually have a super insidery story. I'm gonna try not to say names because I probably, could probably get in trouble. I'm not sure how wide your listening audience is, but there's a chance <laughs> this could come back to haunt me. So there's a guy in our uh, who's a critic, you know, and he has a radio show, and he usually ends his segments with, and I want to get this right, like, and we'll be back on in this God's greatest country on God's green earth or something or like the great, like it's some, some, yeah. and then, so when Ron Burgundy goes like, don't have a good night, have an American night. I was just like, that has to hit home for that guy. Right. Like it has to be like, that's you. He's talking about uh, anyway. But yeah, I, I love the absurdness of it all. Um, you know, stuff like Greg Kinnear stuff. Um, also a, a small little right hook by his son, Walter, which I thought was really funny, just because it looks <laughs> ridiculous. Moments. And then, so when you see it again, when you short. see it again, they play like even better because you know certain things. And you're like, it's like <laughs> we're like you see where certain jokes are going and like how they like seed them in, and it's just so funny. Yeah, but I mean, one of the last things that I'll say before we open up for open discussion is just uh, really funny, like sort of smash cuts and and weird scenes yes. that remind me of Casa de Mi Padre. Um, where it's like, you know, Brick Hamlin's laughing and all of a sudden he's not. And I think that was pretty much done on purpose. <laughs> and I, I laugh a lot about it, or, you know, after thinking about that. So I think it, with more time, it's probably just going to be more absurd and a little bit more funny. Just just like repeat viewings of Casa David Padre. There's one amazing smash cut where like, like they look at like Brian Fantana's art. And like, and they're like, oh, I hate Mondays too, and I hate Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and they all like start to laugh, and then just immediately and then just cut, cuts, like right, yeah, there. super fast, yeah, yeah, that's I know what exactly what you're talking about. Now you you mentioned the commentary, and that's like, honestly, I should have I should have expected that more because really, since Anchorman, like that was the loosest one in terms of what McKay was doing as a director. Like that was his first like movie, movie. Like Talladega Nights has it. Step, I think there's. It, it could maybe be argued in Step Brothers. I don't watch Step Brothers enough, so I don't know. Like Step Brothers is amazing. The more you go back to it, like I, I can't think I gave it a C when I first saw it, and like I'm at A plus or something now. Like I watch it all wow. the time. Yeah, it's really, really funny now. That's yeah. the one that grows on. That's that's been growing on me the most. Like the other ones, I I tend to like. I've I liked like off the bat like a lot already. Uh, it's, yeah, Step Brothers yeah. one where like the more I go back to it, the more I really like it. Also, the commentary on that movie is hilarious, but um. <laughs> The gag scenes are pretty funny, too, the gag reel. Well, on all of them, I guess. Uh, with Anchorman, it feels like there probably is, like, a, a five-hour movie here that, they, that they've chiseled away at. Like, you know, like, the first Anchorman had a whole other movie that they just basically cut out because it just wasn't testing well or whatever. I can't imagine not seeing, like, a ginormous special features package on Anchorman 2 because it feels like there's so much they wanted to do, and I'm surprised that they able, they were able to make such a coherent movie from what they had shot. Yeah, I definitely think that they're... Well, probably just because there are so many outtakes from, from everyone laughing and everyone trying to possibly one-up each other. Well, just going <laughs> in weird directions based on their own improv improvisation and stuff like, yeah i mean there's like every commercial you see there's maybe one joke that's actually in the movie and everything else isn't like there's so much like extra material here that's what you get when you work with ron burgundy i guess i guess so 
There was also the weird scene where uh, Will Ferrell starts singing, and the face on his son is just so sad. And <laughs> I just, I just thought, man, that, they, what did they tell that kid? Because they, they do some, you know, swooping shots, and then they actually focus in on him toward the end of the song. And I was thinking, man. That kid has it going on. I liked his son quite a bit, by the way. I think he captured <laughs> kind of the naivety of Ron Burgundy really well. And every time he said "Dad," like it made me really happy. <laughs> like he had a super, he had a super simple blank face, like yeah. throughout. Like that kid's an amazing actor. Yeah, unless he's really just like that. I don't know. Yeah, unless yeah, unless he is like that. So I bring you my mind, Gary. Bring me the you. most. Bring me the simplest child you can find. Cast him. They pulled it off. Like it's it just it's funny. I, you know, that's what like the the sound like things that went into the making of this movie. I really love the soundtrack of this movie. Like it's just this oh, yeah. kind of like late seventies, early eighties kind of. The opening too is like what run run like the wind. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. It oh, is. so good. It is so good. But McKay is also really good at that. Like his yeah. his soundtracks tend to be awesome. Like he has a great great. Uh, ear for when scenes go together you know like musically so well the same and, with like uh like a- his action directing too like i thought the other guys works as a competent action film just to, and like talladega nights is a great car racing action film like there's he he's a good director in terms of like putting yes. it together and making it look like legit like it, the most underrated aspect of this whole shoot match though is pharrell's ability to sing Will Ferrell has the voice of an angel. I mean, they say it in Step Brothers, but it's so, like, earnest and sentimental, but, like, saying the craziest things that it just it works every time on me. Like, I wish I could watch a mashup of him singing. Like, he's great. He's a great singer. And honestly, that's something that that's largely why I like these movies. I think it's because of Will Ferrell's his, his, er, no, his earnestness. Like, he, all the characters he plays... None of them are, like, horrible people, and I think that's what makes people come back to them. Like, I feel like maybe the Hangover movies, like, for example, like, they're characters that you don't necessarily want to hang out with very well, much. Well, I and, mean, Ashley Schaefer is kind of a douche. But... <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's different. That's, that's HBO. That's that, that's that, that, um, the, the Danny McBride, um, Jody Hill touch, where the characters are yeah. just horribly unlikable, yeah. but yet yeah, you can't help but watch them. These the Adam McKay movies, like you can't. There's an inherent sweetness to the characters Will Ferrell plays, especially Ron Burgundy, which is why you can forgive him for a scene like the one of, at the dinner table with his black girlfriend and their black family, like because it's coming he out of no harm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's coming yeah. out of a place of naive of naivety, and like it, it make it. There's that inherent sweetness that makes you kind of want to root for this person, no matter the crazy decisions that he makes, such as trying to brush his teeth with a lobster. Like, <laughs> Ron, wouldn't you know? Like, no, <laughs> I wouldn't. But yeah, I. Not much to say. Yeah, we have two other movies to talk movie about. So yeah, great. I I think I I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily surprised that I liked it, but I I guess I'm kind of surprised that I liked it as much as I did, given that it's a sequel to one of the most heavily quotable movies made in the last like 20 years. So. That one was a really slow uh, sociological build, though, or cultural build. Like, Anchorman in theaters didn't make all that much money. It yeah. just seems like everyone has seen it after. It became sort of, like, cultish, because I remember I saw it after theaters with my friend in San Diego, and I was thinking, this is pretty good. Why didn't I see this when it came out of theaters? So, yeah, and the, the idea of Ron Burgundy has really grown in people's imagination, too, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, he's got, like, the, his clothes museum in theaters and also at, at a the studio right so and i think he's in the smithsonian like some of his yeah, stuff like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh last thing i'll say about this is just i hope that people take it seriously with the with the commentary because that news right now not really news so no it's uh it's dead on which is scary let's see here global temperatures rise half a degree alarm climate scientists boring what if we show a porno instead of the news freddie 
No, absolutely not. Freddy, come on. We're just brainstorming here. We're trying to figure out how to make the news less boring, and you act like we peed in your milkshake. The news is supposed to be boring, Ron. Serious stuff. I just don't know why we have to tell the people what they need to hear. Why can't we just tell them what they want to hear? Wait, 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 wait. Say that again? I said, why do we have to tell the people what they need to hear? Why can't we just tell them what they want to hear? And what do they want to hear, Ron? That we live in the greatest country God ever created. Damn straight! It's scary that Adam McKay has to be the guy making the, message films. Yeah, he's got to be the catalyst, or I guess yeah. he has to be uh, the voice of reason. <laughs> I, I just hope people, like, go to see a comedy and come out laughing at a comedy. Like, I know it's subjective, so I can't, you know, expect everyone to laugh as hysterically as I do. But, I mean, there's this kind of... There's a notion to, like, write off this thing. It's like, oh, it's Anchorman 2. There's no way it can be good as the first one. It doesn't matter. Like, it's just, if you want to go laugh some fun and you like this yeah. character, like, give it a chance. <laughs> have, have fun. Oh, and I just thought, uh, in terms of cameos, it's not cameo crazy, which I liked. Which, it, there is one scene, but it's not, like, every turn. It doesn't you know, feel like the movie's hinging on the fact that yeah, it has for, these people in it. Yeah, you see a lot of that in repeat comedies. They just throw things in there, and it's it's over the top. But this one is done, I think it's handled a little bit better. I'm also amazed at how well that surprise was preserved, for me at least, because I did not see what happened coming. So, there we go. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's get to our rating. Uh, each week and out now, there and today, we rate movies based on when would you go and see them. And we have our scale from IMAX to theater, dollar theater, Netflix, HBO TV, or just kind of forget about it. On that scale, Laramie, where would you put uh, Anchorman 2? I mean, I don't think you need to see it in IMAX, but I would see it in theaters for sure, immediately. Oh. Three, yeah. not 3D, HFR, no, I, IMAX. I, I don't think effects-wise it's very strong. I'll give you that. I'll give him that. It's not going to win in that department this year. For well, not now. Not, yeah. not after the Academy. Here's Larry's yeah. rant on the effects. Abe? <laughs> I'd say theater. Yeah, I'd say theater as well. Yeah, just fun times. All right. That's Angerman 2. Let's move, let's move on. Let's get, let's get to our next review. Our next review is going to be of the latest film from David O. Russell, American Hustle, unintended rhyme. I, I believe that you should treat people the way that you want to be treated. Didn't yeah. Jesus say that? Yeah. Right. Also, always take a favor over money. I think Jesus said that as well. But I don't know if he said the second one. <laughs> but he might have said the first one. Everybody thought, oh, Richie DeMasso's going to stay in the office. I'm outside on the field. I got people working for me. My ideas. I'm running the show. I'm the quarterback, and I'm not going to settle. It's not for me to say. He wasn't necessarily in good shape, and he had this comb over that was rather elaborate. He had this confidence that drew me to him. My father, he taught me to believe that all people are good and to be good to all people. Life is ridiculous. And you know that I would never say anything bad about your father in front of you, but your father is a sick son of a bitch. Daddy's a sick son of a bitch. Don't repeat that. But yes. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for American Hustle. This is the latest film from writer-director David O. Russell. It takes, plus, takes a story from real life revolving around the Abscam scandal that involves capturing corrupt political officials. Christian Bale is a con man who falls in love with another con artist, played by Amy Adams. They both get caught up in a scheme pushed forward by FBI agent, played by a very curly-haired Bradley Cooper. 
conning may be the only way for them to get out of this predicament, as long as it isn't screwed up by Christian Bale's character's wife, played by Jennifer Lawrence, who's quite a spitfire. Lots of things, lots of characters in this movie. I'll start with Abe this time. Abe, what did you think of the of American Hustle? I thought it was a very good movie. It, for me, it did feel a little bit long, but I kind of forgive it because the performance is so great. And I know the performances are so great because there's one scene where Christian Bale and and uh, Jennifer Lawrence are talking, and it's a little bit later in the film. And I just wanted to smack the shit out of Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, so it was that good of a performance. Uh, I believe so much of the characters. And again, when it kind of gets down to it, it's kind of a it pulls a somewhat of a Ocean's Eleven where it sort of some things are revealed, and you see how uh, so sort of uh, the real events took place and. I definitely liked it. I definitely liked the whole entire idea of a person getting in way more over their head than than they previously thought. Uh, sorry about greed. Sorry about um, the grays of life, which Christian Bale's uh, Christian Bale's character says pretty early on. Um, and just the overall sort of, I guess, the craziness of it. it. It's not crazy, crazy like Scorsese crazy, and it doesn't go into that that sort of super dark territory like Scorsese stuff does. Um, especially toward the end where things climax and a lot of bloodshed happens. But it's pretty good. So I'll leave it at that for now. Laramie? I think that I didn't really find the story to be all that baked. Um, I thought the ending is particularly rushed. That said, it's really an actor's movie, and all the characters are compelling, and it's entertaining throughout. And so it seems like David O. Russell's crew now is really like dialed in in terms of just bringing great characters to the screen every single time. Like Jennifer Lawrence was like, though you want to strangle her, she's amazing in that character. Yeah. Like, she's really, really solid. Oh! Oh! Another oh. fire! No, Danny, not that one. That one's empty. We got to use the big one. I told you not to put metal in the science oven. What do you do that for? Don't make such a big deal. Just get another one. I don't want another one. I want the one that Carmine gave me. Oh, Carmine. I want the one that Carmine gave me. Carmine, Carmine. Why don't you just marry Carmine? Get a little gold microwave and put it on a chain around your neck. You want to be more like Carmine? Why don't you build something like he does? Instead of all your empty deals, it's just like your f***ing science oven. You know, I read that it takes all of the nutrition out of our food. It's empty, just like your deals. Empty, empty. It's not bullshit. I read it in an article. Look, by Paul Berdour. Bring something into this house that's going to take all the nutrition out of our food and then light our house on fire? Thank God for me. Uh, and, like, even... Um, what's his name? The comedian? Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Louis yeah, C. K. yeah, just tremendous in this film. And so I thought, like, I enjoyed watching it throughout. I think it's a good watch. I just don't think the story was necessarily well thought out. I'm basically with you, Laramie, where I think the, I, what it feels like is like a lot of my favorite directors get to have kind of one really cool movie that they can put out there where it's less about really saying much of anything, more about just having the chance to like work with a lot of actors that they're friendly with and kind of get this movie that has a lot of style and a lot of neat, interesting characters to put on a screen. And the story is not necessarily coming in second, but it doesn't feel like it's the most important aspect. And that's what I got from American Hustle. I think it's very entertaining because of this large ensemble cast, which is basically the Avengers of David O. Russell films, because it has everyone he's worked with, <laughs> minus Mark Wahlberg for some reason, which I thought they he's used to be... Lone Survivor. They used to be bros, I thought, so it's weird that they uh, <laughs> he hasn't been in the last couple of David O. Russell movies. But it just, it has... 
this great cast who are all putting in these great performances, but the movie seems more about just having fun and less about really exploring the plot. I do think it's long because of that. I think it meanders a lot. If it was maybe a little tighter at like two hours as opposed to two hours and what, 20 or 15 or whatever, like it might have been a more compelling story just because there's more urgency involved, but there isn't, but that didn't bother me too much because I had a lot of fun watching the movie. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Another thing is that I like that it's set in the 70s. It feels like take away the abscam thing, you could probably create another plot that doesn't necessarily need to be based off reality, and you could probably get the same story set in modern time, but I like getting this kind of 70s style. I like seeing all this, these various hairstyles, including Renner's pompadour and Bradley Cooper's really tight curls, and you know all the clothes, which are very cleavage-heavy for the women, and all the all the, the the music that comes with it. Like it is, it just seems like a movie that wants to have a lot of fun, and I don't know. Disco dance yeah, scene. Disco dance scene. I don't, I don't know if that necessarily plays into this movie needs to get lots of Oscars because I don't necessarily think that, but I think the performances are strong enough that it makes it highly watchable. So if you consider like Silver Linings and The Fighter like a trilogy with this, you know, in the same way like Hot Fuzz and Edgar Wright's trilogy, then I would say this is my least favorite of the grouping, but that said, it's still good. You yeah, know, still, sure. still very watchable. Yeah, still... when compared to those others, yeah, I, would, I would agree with you. I just watched, um, I watched Three Kings the other day, because that's one of my favorite movies anyway. It, oh, that movie's great. Uh, actually, because I know you, the Silver Linings, well, that was your number one last year, correct? Yeah, I really like Silver Linings. Would that be your favorite David Russell, or do you have others? Uh, God, they're also, like, The Fighter is really, really good, and Three Kings is really good. I actually like Huckabees quite a bit, and no one likes Huckabees. I, I know, you're the one. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm the guy. Yeah. I kept it you're the guy. I, I like Wahlberg yeah. and Huckabees. I think Wahlberg's the best thing about Huckabees. And, like, this guy, what's he doing? Yeah, uh, my favorite, I would say my favorite David O. Russell is probably Spank. probably three probably three Kings. Kings. Tough. Were you going to say Spanking the Monkey? Spanking the Monkey? Yeah, that's even that's good, good though. That's even bad. that's a good, yeah. I like Hoarding with Disaster quite a bit as well. But um, yeah. He's had a long career now. I thought about that. He's been around wow. since 94 doing movies. It's not, it's not like Tarantino's all that, you know, has too, too many movies going either. Anyway, I was, watch, I was watching Three Kings, which I love, and it has... that's See, that's that's a movie that feels like it it's made tighter. Like, it feels like it has the same kind of, like, there's a lot of fun to be had in that movie, but it also has, you know, with serious angles, which this movie does as well. But it seems like it, it knows what it's going for and it accomplishes it, even with the trouble that it was made during the making of that movie. But regardless, that movie seemed like it was in fine form. Here... I just didn't get that sense as much, but I did have a lot of fun, and a lot of it comes from how David Russell was trying to handle this movie. It feels like it has a a big um, Scorsese vibe in terms of this kind of the the way it's shot, the way the, right. the editing is pushing it forward and everything. Like it for a long movie, it has this kind of kineticism, I guess, that really keeps it going and keeps you involved with these various characters. Just because beyond just them, it also has you know these various zooms and things that are keeping you involved with what's going on. Even if yeah, I was gonna mention that too when you were saying the Scorsese esque yeah. uh, editing. It's like the handheld coming in zooms on characters just for no reason other than you know. The end of a scene. Emphasis. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> emphasis. Yeah. Quick, quick cutbacks to you know people's backstories and whatever else. So yeah, very much so. Even a cameo from uh, Bob. So yeah, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say the most problematic character for me was Christian Bale. I think he was just the least fleshed out in terms of his range of emotions. He was kind of steady, and I don't necessarily know if the situation would have had him steady. But uh, I love Renner in this film as well. I, I agree. Jimmy Renner yeah. was really strong. Yeah. I feel like Renner's going to be underrated in this because everyone else is big. I mean, Christian Bale gets a belly and hair to work with, and Bradley and Bradley Cooper as as this crazy whiny character mixed with like he was nominated last year, so he might Super as well get attention. 
Or Renner just plays like this nice, well, mostly nice guy who like, is. Well, I, th- I think he is genuinely a nice guy because uh, I don't think there's anything that paints him in a negative light. Uh, so I definitely think that Renner. I mean, he has a level of involvement that suggests certain things, but he was he was brought in. He, he, was, he walked away. He, he walked I, away. I'm, I'm aware. But like, <laughs> no, I'm saying the line from uh, from the film. I'm aware. I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the characters are really good too. It's just, yeah, it, I, I liked it more for the. The continual raising of the stakes, even though that really, that, I, I liked how it went to go hurt other people. Uh, not necessarily that it didn't help out somebody else, but yeah, just because that, that person's super whiny and he just wants everything his way. He thought he was super cool and he's not. Plus he had some tight, tight curls. Yeah, I mean, people the, are working for him now. The rule of Hollywood is once you get a perm, you can pretty much expect some awards. I mean, that's, <laughs> a, that's how it goes. I liked Amy Adams in this film a lot too, actually. I like, I like Jennifer Lawrence, but I think Amy Adams, who gets kind of marginalized during the middle of this movie, but at the same time, I still, I, I liked a lot of what she was giving, but I think, I guess one of my, it kind of leads to like the plotting again, but one of the problems is you're kind of with her a lot of the way to know what's going on, and there's not much suspense involving certain aspects of her character and what's, what can come of her relationship between the two guys in this movie. That makes any sense without spoiling anything, I guess. Well, uh, and another take that I would say too, just to tack on, is just you know you're given sort of a lot of intrigue, um, and you're given I don't know is it sort of information on double cross, triple cross, but nothing really amounts to or it doesn't really amount to a whole lot at the end. So take what it take with it what you will. Yeah, and the way they set up their ending is like kind of typical of regular movies, which which is Russell, which is kind of a letdown. Right? Which Russell's kind of eschewed so far, it seems like. Yeah, I would agree, I would agree with that, actually. It does kind of... It feels... I guess Hollywood would be the, <laughs> the way to say it. Um, even in Silver Lining's playbook, there's a certain... There's there's differences going on there that kind of allow for you to have an end, the ending that you have in that movie while this movie is like... And and then they all did this kind of thing. And yeah, I, just not as tight. I mean, that's that's just not as not as tightly developed as a story, I guess, compared to the very animated characters that are involved in this movie. Very animated, including the talking penguin that we've not talked about at all. That's what, that was an elf, by the way. Yeah, it was same a one. Talking penguin elf. Yeah, it was yeah. A weird choice, but holidays, you know. Let's let's rate this movie once again. Same scale, Abe. Uh, I'd probably say theater still, even despite its length. Larry. Yeah, I just don't know that any David Russell film is worth waiting on anymore. So I say theaters as well. I mean, the guy's good. Yeah, I certainly say theaters. I feel like it'd just be an entertaining movie to watch in a theater with other people as well. So, All right, that was American Hustle. Let's move on to our next review. Yeah, so many reviews, so little time. Let's move on to our next one here. We got Inside Lewin Davis, the latest from the Coen Brothers. What'd you say you played? Folk songs. Solo act? No, I had a partner. Threw himself off the George Washington Bridge. George Washington Bridge? You throw yourself off the Brooklyn Bridge, traditionally. George Washington Bridge. Who does that? If I had wings, I'd know as I'd fly the river. Explain the cat. What's its name? I, I don't know. It's the Gorkine's cat. It slipped out and I don't have the key. Well, my honey, fare thee well. Don't tell Jim. Oh! Obviously. Well, I had a man. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Inside Lewin Davis. This is 
the latest film from the Coen brothers. The film focuses on basically a week or so in the life of a talented but struggling folk singer from Greenwich Village in the early 1960s. And also, there's a cat. I'll leave it there. <laughs> Let's start with uh, Laramie. Larry, what would you think of Inside Llewyn Davis? I just realized that these films are 60s, 70s, and 80s. We've, we've managed the, uh, the decades. We, just, we, we, <laughs> yeah. we hit the cycle, guys. We hit the cycle. <laughs> I thought this was one of the drier Cohen works, um, and weirdly one of the more sentimental works. Like, I don't think it's super accessible for people who aren't Cohen fans, but I'm, like, the biggest Cohen fan in the world. And... Oscar Isaac is so, so good in this film, and the small part John Goodman in is so, so good in this film. And there's so many moments that are set up just as these dark comic tragedies that really appeal to me, because sometimes it seems like life's like that occasionally, where just random stuff happens that doesn't work out your way. Um, so I, I loved it. Uh, that said, I don't know how compelling it is going to be for the average viewer, and I don't know that the story is all that complicated or dynamic, but I just thought, in terms of acting and performances, like really, really incredible. Abe? I pretty much agree with Laramie there, and what I'll say about it is I don't think it's super accessible, accessible either, um, primarily because it's about the, some guy who, you don't, I don't really get a sense that you really root for him per se, because he's, he's sort of a nasty character, he's kind of rude and temperamental, um, he goes through life thinking that uh, he doesn't really want to sell out, but and it really is to his detriment that that occurred, or that he thinks that way. Primarily because he doesn't want to put his name on a, on a record, just because he needs the cash now to pay for things that he needs to do now, but he doesn't think about the royalties, and then he, he's, he's basically an ultra hipster, and it's not really working out for him that way. And even when he try to do, tries to do right, it's kind of a, a terrible situation, because everything just blows up in his face, because uh, he just wants to be real, man. But I like the, the, the realness when he plays for a record producer. And I like the way that that situation turns out because um, you might think that's the climax of the film, and it's not. And I do agree that the performances are strong. There's just very strange comedic turns here and there, like Garrett Hudlin with a cigarette. And I I laughed about that stuff. But on the whole, I liked the music and I liked uh, performances. I like how it was very sectioned off, too, and maybe some people won't. Sectioned off meaning you don't see some characters anymore after a certain time. And so, yeah, I liked it. It's, it's kind of a quieter film. It, it certainly plays segmented in a way. There's kind of vignettes, I guess one could argue. Sure. I I love this film. I, I was I was just absolutely on board with it. I, I'm a big Coen Brothers fan to begin with, but I was very... I, I, wasn't, I wasn't anticipating this to be something like True Grit or even, I don't know, Fargo, where it's... Or I guess maybe even Burn After Reading, where they're kind of broader... They, like more audiences can kind of accept what's going on in this kind of movie. It felt like it was going to be something more limited, like um, the man who wasn't there, or Barton, Barton Fink, especially. Like it, it has that kind of quieter feel. It has, it has that, it has, not necessarily esoteric, but like it, it just, it, it feels like a Coen Brothers movie that's made because, like a serious man would be another good example. Like it, one that's made for for them, exactly. Not not like because because the studio wanted us to check on try to try something out. Like it, it it was something that they wrote and they wanted to put out there. And I mean, it looks like I mean, it was like CBS Studios, I think. Yeah, yeah. CBS Studios. Like it, it, it's clearly not one that they could just shop around to like Universal and get them to put it up there. So, regardless, I just I just really like this movie. I think Oscar Isaac is absolutely fantastic here. I think the entire supporting cast is just is just largely good and very 
very game in what's required of them for a Coen Brothers movie with that kind of dialogue and that kind of speech patterns that goes with these kind of movies. How we doing? We're doing great. Really? New record's doing well? Uh, how we doing? Not so hot, I gotta be honest. Jenny, where's Cincinnati? What? Cincinnati, it's not in here. It should be in there. It's not in here, I'm telling you. Is it... Cincinnati? Yeah. I got it. What? I got it. You got Cincinnati? Yeah, you want it? Could I have it? Should I bring it in? Yeah. Do you owe me something? You have to owe me something. I wish. People need time, you know. Get to know you, buy you as a solo act. Even know you're a solo act. Cincinnati is not good. That's it, right? Yeah, this is it. God help Nobody me. knew us when we were a duo. It's not like me and Mike were ever a big act. It's not a big re-education for the public. Mel? Mel! How you doing, kid? There's a, lo- there's a lot of humor in it that comes from various places, such as things involving cats and what genitalia they may or may not have. But um, it, it, it's such a, it's such a, such an interesting kind of weird little movie where you you have these kind of great moments involving the music where it, it plays out in full the whole time and you and you see the results of certain scenes involving Isaac's character while he's playing music or after and it it just I was just with it the whole way through I really enjoyed how this movie which is largely plotless played out. I love the the nature of this film's kind of turn and how it how it's structured, how it how it begins and ends. I just I just loved everything about that. One I think if you've listened to Brad and Laramie on movies, you've heard this this little take before. But for new listeners, right? <laughs> uh, the Coen brothers are excellent at having worlds where the world happens to the character, as opposed to, I'd say, 95% of mainstream movies where the character is happening to the world. In other words, they're interacting with the world and kind of creating it in their own destiny because they're the main character and the camera just kind of follows them. Whereas like the Coens Bobo. just... Yeah. Yeah, the, the Coens have this thing always like the world then happens to their characters' choices. And to your point, Oscar Isaac's character's choices were pretty much bad, like routinely right. bad, and undermined his own, you know, destiny or uh, happiness or accomplishments. And so it just seems like that's more like the world is. Like you don't go outside and change everything to, to better or to worse. You go outside and then things happen and then you kind of react. And the Coen brothers are excellent at presenting the worlds like that. And I think the closest parallel in terms of their other work would be, for me, The Man Who Wasn't There. And maybe it's just the black and white thing. But I think that's a dry film that I really love as well that just kind of like where a character is put upon, you know, the whole time. I definitely agree with that, actually. And I think The Man Who Wasn't There is a great movie. Billy Bob Thornton is fantastic in that movie and what he's required to do. Um, and I agree with you, actually, with the color palette, too, because this movie, while not black and white, it's like it's really... It's got a, it's got a blue tint. It's to really it. toned down. It really it feels like it pretty much could be black and white. If this was made in another decade, which easily could have been, it feels like it easily could have been a black and white. It feels film. that way, though. Yeah. It's like, you know, they, they, he cert- or they certainly, you know, put the put the right screenshots, or not screenshots, they certainly put the right uh, background and right folks in to make you really feel as though you're back in the 1960s, late 60s. Um, one thing you said about the movie or the the music too is just it's a weird thing to to uh, have the actors 
they do the music, but then they, they sort of explain it, because I like this one dinner scene where these folks are asking him to, to play a song, and you think that, it, yeah, sure, it's not a bad thing, and he's kind of sarcastically putting it down. It's like, oh, this is the part where you, you keep telling me no, and you think that I'm being funny, but I'm not, and then he finally plays it. And then he actually has this this little outburst that made a lot of sense to me, too, because uh, he brings up an example. It's like, I don't invite you to dinner and then ask you to give me a lecture on, like, Mesoamericans. Um, and I just thought that was darkly comedic because it deals with some other things, too, because of uh, his his partner, um, his music partner, and uh, what, the, what the song that he's playing brings up. But, yeah, I just thought that, it, you know, as as sad it is, as it is, it's also just very funny, just the way that these things are approached. Um, and it's kind of a, a sarcastic humor, uh, and I like that about it a lot. It's certainly something that works in Coen Brothers films, and it's why I don't it's why I don't dislike this person. Like he's obviously making choices that are just, you know, not helping him, but there, there are reasons that aren't like, I mean, they're somewhat clearly explained, but you, you get, you definitely get a sense of what's going on in this person's life and as to why he is acting certain ways that he is. And we go ahead. Go, no, go. We should give some love to Justin Timberlake, man. He's great. He's great in this movie. I agree, yeah, yeah. and and Carrie Mulligan. I think they <laughs> both both are really good. Angry. <laughs> she is, but she works well with what that what's required of that character that has few things to play, but like she gets it across. And yeah, Timberlake is really good too. He has the he's got a, he's like the the successful version of Oscar Isaac's character. And well, yeah, and I think that's clearly brought up too when when uh, they have a conversation at a coffee table, and he's just like, "We're trying, and you're not." So. Or I guess it's more with uh, June's character or Jane's character. Also, did you guys think that that was like the ghost of uh, of Bruno Kirby at the at, at the, the bar? Yeah, the bartender, the bar tender. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can see him having a Bruno Kirby. Yeah, I can see the attitude there resembling someone like a Bruno Kirby character. Good call. Well, like like Leo gets too. There's a little of that. In there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, this, this may be the closest the Coens have come to making like a full-on musical, by the way. Like all the songs oh, in the movie are played out in full. Like there, there's no like there's and there's very few like cutaways within the song. Like you hear the entire song played out like every time they play a song in this movie. But unlike something with Shame, you don't feel like get the heebie-jeebies from it. Like it's all kind of interesting and you want to listen to it, like being at a concert, you know? Yeah. No. That's sure. very strange that you brought up Shame because I thought of that movie while I was watching this too, and it's primarily because of the. The sort of segmented view of the movie, and it doesn't really show you anything other than maybe like a, a few days. I'm talking about Shane um, of of his life, and this is basically the same thing. I mean, it goes on a little bit longer, and there's even a point where where he thinks that it's longer, but then they they really back in by saying that was two days ago. It's not even Saturday yet, um, and you think, oh wow, yeah, it's actually still in the same week. And also, Shane doesn't really resolve anything per se. And this film, it doesn't really come to a full-on conclusion of what's going to happen either. And so I I did think of shame as well. Depending on, I guess... Okay, here's a, I have a question, actually. Do you Would you consider the ending of this film to be ambiguous, or do you think it has a definitive thing of, its, of what it's going for? Yeah, I really questioned... Uh, I thought they were trying to say something with the ending that was maybe, for them, a little stranger. Like, they don't tend to do thinkers in that sense like they usually are pretty straightforward with what they want to tell you like in their messaging and this one i need to go back because i felt like some of the cadence of it 
suggest that there was more to it than we understood, I guess is the best way I could say. Yeah, I think on, on second viewing it might be different, but for me, I think that it was pretty straightforward as well. Basically, the character's like, man, you know, it's done. Like, folk music is, is over with, and it's just ironic because Bob Dylan is, or I guess there's a Bob Dylan song playing and could be, uh, you know, prelude to greater things. So it's just, uh, yeah, I'll see you guys on the next time around, and and it's kind of just like, yeah, if you had just kept up with it, it would have been different. The thing that throws me... And I don't know if both of you noticed this, but there's a scene that's repeated, but it's repeated differently. Yes. And that's, that, yeah. to me, seemed 12 Monkeys memento-ish, like something else was going on under the hood that I didn't quite grasp. But I brought this up to other people, and they didn't really seem too keen on it. No, that's that's why I'm asking this question. Is was it sort of yeah. different? Yeah, it was. It definitely was. Like, the whole point of it was different. <laughs> because it made hmm. me go back and question, like, when, with a timeline when there yeah. yeah when there would when did we go somewhere that we weren't or that's I mean, different from where we were the scene's not spoilery so i guess the one is something happens that continues the whole rest of the movie and then the second time that thing doesn't happen mm-hmm. like the very like, yeah. action move so it was like huh so I, it's, it involves a cat it's the best thing i can tell you yeah <laughs> yeah no it's like because it, it it's not as if like I needed something like that to be like, oh, now this movie's way deeper. But like at the same time, it's like, huh? Like it gave me kind of an extra beat to think about while also considering the rest of this movie, which I was already in love with because it's just such a fantastic. Like you mentioned, John Goodman briefly. Like his scene is pretty fantastic. Him and Garrett Hedlund, who uh, <laughs> who who, does, who speaks more with his character here than he does in um, Tron, Tron Legacy, Legacy. Just, by, just by having <laughs> a cigarette that's constantly in the same position the entire time. Can I bum a cigarette off you? all out <laughs> two minutes later <laughs> but yeah the john goodman scene that one was uh i like I, I like the way I, I don't know that much about music but i just like the way that jazz musicians were, were being up on folk like are you guys serious like jazz you're playing all these notes you gotta play all of them in like whatever it be it's like you guys why don't you guys play on your ukuleles and your whatever and it's like yeah funny because i don't get it <laughs> Solo act? Yeah, now. Now? Used to, what, work with a cat? Every time he'd play a C major, he'd puke a hairball? He used to have a partner. What happened? Threw himself off the George Washington Bridge. Well, I don't blame him. I couldn't take it either, having to play Jimmy Crack Corn every night. Oh, pardon me for saying so. That's pretty stupid, isn't it? George Washington Bridge. You throw yourself off the Brooklyn Bridge, traditionally. George Washington Bridge. Who does that? Yeah, like random Crips and Bloods humor in the middle of <laughs> <laughs> music that's like exactly. totally, like totally tame to us at this point. Uh, it's like you when you went to the Juggalo convention. It's like, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I think we've done enough about Inside Lewin Davis, so let's rate it again. I'll go first. If, if this was on an IMAX screen, I would go to an IMAX. But yeah, I love this movie, so just what the highest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say definitely in theaters. And I thought the sound design to me was strangely incredible, like the crispness of each of the character songs. And I'm not like a huge fan of folk music. Like I could take it or leave it. I like acoustic stuff, but yeah. uh, I, th- I thought the music was really well done. And I've listened to the soundtrack a bunch at my my off time. Abe. I definitely say theater, and primarily because of the studio, or I guess theater quality stereo. Um, and yeah, I've, I've definitely listened to fairly well. 
a number of times on on uh, the album, and that's a great song. Yeah, no, please, Mr. Kennedy, just gets me going. Like if that was like an alarm clock, I'd be, I'd be all over that. Like right. <laughs> I'd be like, turn it off. <laughs> because it's a great timer. Just be like ten, Space. nine, eight, seven, Order. six, five, and just be like, all right, I guess it's time to get up. It's time. It's time for launch. Order. Space. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna do the song. Yeah. Hey, right. buddy. I I thought like the who wrote this line is amazing too because like <laughs> you're like oh and then, oh. then space just drops yeah, yeah oh hmm well like, just like the whole buildup of it like this guy making like random noise like what's happening over here and then, like the song I, plays that. Well, I just love how everyone was really into it even the music producer like I love this tune and Lewin's <laughs> Lewin's just like what are we doing and then again he just makes bad decisions right it's like mm-hmm. oh you know, if you sign here and just release it. You know, we're not going to give you royalties. And it comes up well, later. Well, that one, like, yeah, obviously, that was a horrible decision he made. Yeah. But you see what, I mean, the money's going to something very specific. That it's exactly. like, I can, you can see why he's doing no, this. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Well, it sort of goes back to American Hustle. There's a line that says, like, maybe all we have is to choose between terrible choices. You know, like, so I think that's a case of, like, he made the bad choice. But that was a choice almost anyone would make at that point, unfortunately. And, of, oh, course, yeah, yeah. of course, Ron Burgundy, you know, he had to give up maybe his job so his wife could succeed. So, obviously, the theme of bad choices is Either running rampant in the podcast episode. Bad choices. Bad choices see in theaters and decades past, the themes of this podcast. Yeah. If only one of the characters in America had also sang a song, we could have another recurring theme. Ah, uh, we'd be in there Thanks. like somewhere. You <laughs> didn't have a song from, uh, uh, what's his face? Adam, or, uh, I was going to call him Adam. Uh, Jeremy Renner and, uh, Christian Bale, they were singing. Were they singing? They, they sang that one, I don't know what song it was. It's like Volare or something. Yeah, okay. they got- they definitely sing. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, Boom. Trifecta. Got it. We got it, guys. Happy holidays. Force. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So we've done all three movies. Um, guess we got a little time left. Dave, you got a game? I do have a game. Hold on. Okay, go on. <laughs> got it. Got it in there. <laughs> Thanks. It's a uh, eight questions here, and it's basically it's called Did Brick Say That? So <laughs> you're gonna choose between whether Brick Tamlin actually said something. Or whether he didn't. So, so don't, don't, hold on. So, in this game, you've you've also presumably you've also come up with sayings that aren't from Brick, but that you'd think Brick could have said. Yes, exactly. Okay, I'm excited for this. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. First one, first one, first one. I love Lamp. Well, yeah, of course. Brick, pretty yeah. easy, right? Yeah, pretty easy. Yeah. All right. Second one. I picked up a burrito at the end of the lunch line. True. False. It's it's a false because he doesn't actually uh, say that. What? <laughs> <laughs> he he actually just says he he describes where he picked it up. Oh, like, the garbage or something. Yeah, it's like I picked yeah. it up at the end of the lunch line. It's yeah. like that's the garbage brick. Yeah. Like, uh, he just laughs and it's like I'm choking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. True. That's, that's actually false. false God damn it! <laughs> the hell. That, that's, that's actually just. That's more uh, like Far- that's more like Farrell and Baxter, like <laughs> you know, a whole wheel of cheese. That's impressive. I'm not even mad. Uh, all right, the next one. Uh, I once ate an entire bowl of Legos. Yeah, I'm gonna let you go first. That's true. I think that is true. <laughs> true then. Yeah. <laughs> Crushed it. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> I can always guess how many jelly beans are in a jelly bean jar, even if that's I'm wrong. That's true. true. Yeah, yeah that's definitely true. true. 
Kristen Wiig's really funny in that movie too. Like, it's I could, so awkward together. There, there's a lot of break in this movie, and I can see how that could maybe play against the film. But I laughed at a lot of it. <laughs> they were really I just funny. laughed when they had that weird, random emotional outburst in the office. And I love how the lady kept a straight face. It's like, I can see you. You're fired. <laughs> I like her too. June Diane Rapier. That's Paul Shear's wife. He's on NTSF SDSUV. Yeah. Uh, cool. And on the podcast, how did this get made? Of course. She uh, has her own podcast. Oh, it's her, funny. Her too. and Paul Shear and Jason Manzoukas. Yeah, the great, great podcast. It's really it funny. How did this get made? Okay. It's where they how take, did this get made? Yeah, it's they take a they take a movie and they dissect. Well, dissect. They just they basically go over why this movie is either terrible or fun terrible. Three more. Farewell then, Ian. Would you like to go to a party in my pants? That one's true. That's true. <laughs> all right. I feel like all the ones from Anchorman One will nail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are true fans. Next one. Next one. All right. I have a collection of He-Man toys. I'll say false. Pretty false. Pretty false. That sounds like a stepbrother's quote. I was actually just pulling something from uh, sort of sort of related to his 40-year-old virgin stuff. Ah, clever boy. (laughs) Number two. I just burned my tongue. Mm. The whole quote is, "Mm, I just just burned my tongue. Yeah, I'll say true. Yeah, it's probably because I had to redo it and do it. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that didn't help. I was saying true already. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what are you doing? You're sabotaging yourself here. All right, and last one. Uh, it's uh, anyone's up for the radio? Hmm, I'll say false. I'll say false too. It's false. This is a Brian Fantana quote. Aha! There you go. So that was things Brick might have said. Thanks for that game. <laughs> I should have made it more towards seventies, eighties, and. 50s music. I just like that the stakes were so high. That's that's what really got me on the game. <laughs> All right, so we've completed our reviews, and Abe and I still have a few things that we're going to go over, including some listener feedback. But now I know Laramie's going to sign off. So, Laramie, where can people find more of your work? Uh, Twitter, L-A-R-E-M-Y, or uh, Brad and Laramie on Movies, available on iTunes near you. Great. And uh, yeah, now you're sending out the documentary to some film festivals, so hopefully within in 2014 maybe we'll get to see Whoop Dreams. I believe you will. We're doing a couple of screens no matter what, even if we are rejected everywhere. So awesome. <laughs> great. Well, great. Thanks for having thanks for coming on the show with us, Larry. Thanks, Thank Larry. Thank you. Merry Christmas, joyous Kwanzaa. And if you've already celebrated Hanukkah, well, I'm sorry I missed you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yep. We'll talk to Take you. Take care. Bye. All right. Great. Oh, glad to have Larry on the show. It's always fun. Thanks, Larry. Yeah. Let's uh let's do some out now quickies. Quickies, TM. TM. Now now we talk about a couple of main movies of the week because that's what we just did, but every now and then we have lots of other movies we see as well, so we have some called Anna Quickies. Yep. Abe, did you see anything else this week? I did not, but I did watch the Christmas episode of Bob's Burgers and it was frightening and funny. Oh, sounds exciting. I gotta check that one out. Um I saw a few things. I saw her, which we'll talk about in like weeks time from now. But uh, I am sad that you guys saw her. But uh, but see it. I also saw forty seven Ronin, which by the time this podcast comes out, I am allowed to talk about, so I will. Um, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Right. Um, Lords of Salem, with the latest from Rob Zombie. I really like this movie a lot. It's maybe my favorite horror movie of the year. I was. It's strange because it got such negative reviews. I, it actually has a. It's at like forty nine. It's not that bad uh, for a horror movie, especially. It's pretty pretty mixed. But I've heard that it kind of meanders. I, it definitely has a very deliberate kind of pacing, but it works for the kind of movie that it is. And regardless, I was just so like, because I, I honestly I didn't know what to expect because I was hearing mixed things about it, but I did not expect to love it as much as I did, and I really liked Lords of Salem. Um, and I, lastly, I saw a movie called Redemption with uh, Jason Statham. 
which is on Netflix streaming right now. It's from uh, writer-director Stephen Knight, who did uh, who who uh, wrote uh, Eastern Promises. Redemption has Jason Statham as this kind of homeless guy who's on the run from a court martial, and because uh, he was like an ex- he's like an ex special forces, and it's just this kind of for for a Jason, it's like it's a very unlike a Jason Statham action movie. It's just him kind of dealing with like this his crazy life that he had and like trying to trying to figure out his way. And it's I was just I, I was really I was really taken by Statham's performance in this film. The film the film itself is all right, but it's very well shot, and I really like Jason Statham as an actor in this movie, which does is he, nice to say. Does he have karate action scenes? He has scenes where he fucks people up, but that way <laughs> <laughs> with bottles, I'm assuming. No, I want to say for my TM. I've been playing the uh, the uh, Uncharted series. I finished Uncharted one, and then I'm on Uncharted two, and they've obviously fixed a lot of the problems that I had in the first game. I like that you finished Uncharted one already because that game plays so fucking quickly. It's so much fun. It is very quickly, and the, one of the things that I hated about Uncharted one was when you have grenades, how you aim and throw them, and that was annoying because you have to tilt the the control, and it's just not quick. It's not effective. Unless you just want to randomly throw things. The second one, all you have to do is hold down the uh, L2 trigger and then just release. I'm glad that the audiences from 2010 are getting the input on how to throw grenades for Uncharted 2. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, that's traveled back through time. We're actually in 2010 right now. All right. But uh, no, <laughs> glad you're playing Uncharted. I love that video game series. I can only hope that there's an Uncharted 4 on PS4 because it would just be amazing. Um, that said, Last of Us from the same studio is also amazing. So there you go. I should probably note that I put up my top video games of the year on com as well, which includes some of the games that we mentioned. I hope they also make it for PS3. No, you're out of luck. Let's get some minor box office stuff going. Um, we didn't really predict box office results last week, but we did predict... Just we just decided that Anchorman would probably be in first place. Yeah. And it was in first place. Um, it, it, uh, well, no, it wasn't first place. It was... <laughs> no, Hobbit was still it was not. No, Hobbit's oh. still in first place. Good old Hobbit. Uh, but Anchorman did manage to make $40 million from Wednesday to now, which is impressive enough because obviously that means there is a pretty strong fan base for Ron Burgundy. Do you know what the budget was on that? Uh, Like 50 Okay, so yeah. yeah uh, the good. rate is going. It's going to easily match that and double it. So, uh, But yeah, the Hobbit's still making money because it's a Hobbit movie, so there you go. Um, Walking with Dinosaurs, which I'm sure all of us were really excited about. I... I did not even realize it was actually going to be out during this time. I thought it was going to be Ape, like, If you're shooting live-action sequences and adding CG dinosaurs, the only thing that screams is December Christmas release. And so obviously, <laughs> it came out, and it's doing exactly what it's doing. Not making much money. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Saving yeah, Mr. Banks and American Hustle also opened wide this weekend. And American Hustle made quite a bit of money, actually. Saving Mr. Banks did fairly well as well, given the kind of movies that these are. So there you go. Um, and hers in like three or four or five theaters, and that made a pretty nice chunk for its per theater average. And yeah, that's that's box office. TM. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, and what else? Before feedback, we'll just end on feedback. But uh, what else? Uh, the Audible, of course. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com/podcast. There are over a hundred thousand titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 device. For the listeners of Out Now, Theron and Abe, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to come with it, giving you the opportunity to check out their service. Offhand, Abe, do you have a book to recommend? I don't have a book, but I would say Indian in the Cupboard for no real reason oh, other than the book I thought of. Offhand. And uh, I will tell you that when I read that in third grade, I was uh, very teary-eyed at the end because I knew that Omri was not going to be able to uh, you know, have his, his friend 
and his cowboy friend either, anymore because it's turned back into plastic. But the per- author went on to write like two more books. So there you go. Yeah, the, the second book called uh, The Mom That Burned the Cover, that's a really depressing one as well. <laughs> that's any, the worst one ever. Yeah, But yeah, you can download that book or probably, or any other of the many, many choices you have at Audible. Uh, keep that file, check out the service. If you don't like it, you can, get, you can you know unsubscribe, but still keep the book that you downloaded for free. So there you go. AudibleTrial.com is an out-and-out podcast. All right, Abe, let's do this. Let's get, let's to, let's get to listener feedback. Feedback, 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 feedback. This is where we, of course, read the different answers and answer some questions from our various listeners. Thanks to the support on the Facebook and Twitter page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast and twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. So here we go. First things first, favorite movie involving an actor that added a lot of weight onto him or herself for the role. Uh, Scott has Raging Bull, being like the most obvious answer. Uh, Abe, you put Tim Allen for the Santa Claus. I'm sure there was lots of work done to make that out. Because uh, in the trailer says, do you think, or you call this a little bit of weight? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's clever. Uh, thanks. Uh, Linda has Vincent D'Onofrio for Full Metal Jacket and Charlize Theron for Monster. I'll just... I'll, I'll make this the uh, the Christian Bale achievement category. Uh, I was yeah, I wanted to bring that up during our review. He just, too. he just goes up and down and up and down. It's yeah. ridiculous. And uh, I, I was thought I thought during the film he has he's already said that he's not going to go drastically down anymore because it just puts a his, his health uh, in like such a damper mood. And I remember when he was doing the the machinist, he was said that his diet consisted of whiskey and cigarettes. And uh, and so I thought, oh, wow, he's not going to go down anymore. But it doesn't mean he's not going to go up because he puts on a lot of weight for this. I thought at first it was some sort of gel that they may have pasted onto his body. Nope. But the more I looked at it, I was like, nope, that's he just, actually put on that weight. That's a full bale tummy. Yeah. Like his arms and fingers got fat, too. It's, it's amazing. So, yeah. I mean, Christian Bale, go you. Uh, we then asked, what comedy would you like to see a sequel for? Mike writes Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, which nice. is a very funny movie. If <laughs> Tucker you and Dale vs. Evil vs. Yeah. Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. Let's see it. Let's have that up. That would have... Yeah, if they, if they could actually write it like pretty cleverly, yes, do it. Uh, Jordan, write, Jordan writes used cars. <laughs> uh, Joe writes the other guys, which we brought up uh, during our review of Anchorman with Adam McKay. Um, not, not that it would be a sequel, but we brought, talked about the other guys. Gotcha. Jason writes uh, Seven Psychopaths. Yes, I went there. Not sure where he went, but whatever. I, I like Seven Psychopaths, so I, I you know, I, I don't know how you would do a sequel, but whatever. Josh writes The Jerk. Maybe. I mean, Steve Martin goes back to his family, I guess. And... Steve Martin made a, a sequel to The Jerk now, and maybe be the most amazing, most anticipated <laughs> movie of the year. Like, I, I would see that in a heartbeat. I would see it in a heartbeat. Like, I, I know a lot of people that would see that in a heartbeat. <laughs> And Eric writes, Olympus Has Fallen, the hilarious live-action sequel to Team America. Oh, very good. <laughs> I like that. Clever. Uh, favorite movies that really enjoy portraying 70s duds and hair. Mike Jones has Corvette Summer. Maxwell has Boogie Nights, perhaps. Danny has Kill the Irishman. Jason has Grease. And Joe Jens has Cannonball Run. I have nothing to add. I was trying to think of a good one, but Boogie well, Nights I, is kind I of my like go-to answer. So. Like, every 70s hairstyle, yeah, you, yeah. I guess Anchorman. Like, I love the Anchorman soundtracks. I love seeing the, and I love seeing just them in that world. So, I mean, can't, can't argue that either. <laughs> yeah, I love Brian Fantana's, uh, Jockey. Yeah, that was, that was, that was <laughs> so awkward. But I love how Paul, Paul Rudd is just down to do it. You know what I mean? I do. Like, yeah, it feels like he got the least to do in this movie, by the way. 
In it does. Yeah, I, like, like Champ like didn't have a ton to do, but at least it seemed like there was more of Champ than there was Brian Fantana. I definitely you brought it up too, which is they they definitely put Brick in a lot like, because everyone loves Brick. Like Brick was obviously like a standout character next to Ron Burgundy from the first movie, yeah. so it's like well let's give him a lot to do. And probably because yeah. Steve Carell demands more money these days, so. still has something to do the way we're back though. Uh, move on to questions. Yeah. All right. So Joe asks us, "What well-known movie star do you keep forgetting their name?" My answer, Ethan Hawke. I can never remember that guy's name. To answer your question, I do remember Ethan Hawke pretty easily. I do forget Jeremy Renner's name a lot. Just like I said in this podcast. It's like, that guy. uh, You got Jeremy Renner's name? That guy. I always want to call him, like, Jackson or something. I don't know. Jackson? Jeremy Renner. Yeah, I don't know. That guy confuses me from time to time. Um, There's also the, the two guys that sort of look the same. Uh, they played, uh, or Toby Jones, I, I forget his name a lot too. Uh, I, I remember it now, but I always think of Capote, and then I think of uh, the other guy's name. I'm just Philip, doing a terrible job Philip, today. Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Oh. Yeah, but I, I, I can recognize Philip Seymour Hoffman from like a photo and recognize him. But for Toby Jones, I'm like, that's the guy from the other Capote and the Hunger Games. I can never remember his name. Yeah, I, I it's not really an issue that bothers me, actually. like I'm pretty good at the Aaron has photographic memory with with uh, actors and actresses and kind of. I mean, I don't really run into a situation where I forget people's names. Like I just know a lot of the obscure ones really well, and I especially like pronouncing the incredibly complex ones. Like my latest favorite name from Blue is the Warmest Color, Adele Exarchopoulos. I don't even have that name in front of me. It's just fun to say. Um, next question here, which I have somewhere. There it is. Um, do you think Paul Rudd should play Ant- Ant-Man? Speaking of Paul Rudd, um, I've been holding off on this question just because the rumors were circling the fact that Paul Rudd could play Ant-Man in Edgar Wright's upcoming Ant-Man Marvel adaptation, and now it's been confirmed that he is going to play Ant-Man. And with that said, I was a supporter of this idea beforehand, and I'm a supporter of this idea now because Paul- I like Paul Rudd a lot. I like Edgar Wright films. Put those two together, and you got yourself a delicious Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. What comic book? Ooh, I like that, unless you're allergic to chocolate or peanut butter. but Well, Officer Reese's can help you out with that one. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think that Paul Rudd, he doesn't really do anything that I don't like. And also, I think that Edgar Wright is smart enough to choose a, a person that he can work with and can make his the film that he wants. I mean, I've seen Edgar Wright's work. I enjoy it. So I have no qualms about it at all. Like, as much as I like Simon Pegg, like, I'm glad to see that Edgar Wright's not just going back to the well, per se, to make to get a lead for his movie. Like, I'm glad that he's thinking outside of the box, frankly, because, I mean, you have a superhero movie, and you're not exactly thinking, oh, Paul Rudd can play a superhero, but, like, I like that that's the choice now, and I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. And it's not like, I, I can't think of a, a Marvel Studios Marvel movie, movie where, like, the casting was the problem, so. That's true. And then... Izzy asks this, whatever happened to the girl who played Lainey Boggs in 1999's teen comedy, She's All That? Great question. I mean, If you go to whysoblue.com, you'll see in the side panel advertisement what happened to the cast of She's All That. It pops up, you know, randomly. I think she's just living a quiet life. I think Rachel Lee Cook, I mean, she's, she doesn't act like a ton, but she's been on, like, random TV shows here or there. She's on, she's on she's Rolex on Chicken a lot. She was on Psych for like a six episode run, I think, or something like that. She was like, a, she was yeah. like a, an old girlfriend of Sean's. Of Sean, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I like to think of you and I as Sean and Gus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, because you went to UC Santa Barbara. And, I know. And... You know. <laughs> Never get about you. 
Uh, I mean, originally Coke, like, she didn't take off after she was all that, but she's, you know, been in things. Just... Well, I mean, it's hard. It, I don't think there was really anybody in that that really did. I mean, Freddie Prinze and... Well, Matthew Lillard's, face? Matthew Lillard's, Matthew Lillard's still doing things and directing movies and still starring right. TV shows and movies. I mean, it's like... But I'm saying, like, even those guys, those guys were, I guess, well-known before that because it was during that 90s teen craze thing and... And we're just like, Cook, yeah, sure. You know, I feel like Izzy asked this question. Did Izzy ask us the Freddie Prince Jr. question also? Is he just going through the cast <laughs> and sees all that? <laughs> yes. Next would be Matthew Lillard and the guy who ate pubic hair on his pizza? I don't know. What guy was that? I don't know. I don't know that guy's that name. Is that all what... that still? Yeah, it's because that's that's what Freddie Prince makes him do after I know Paul Walker was in she- Paul Walker was in She's All That. Really? Yeah, oh. it's the jock that oh. makes the bet with him. Well, I guess they're... Just, he's the jock who makes the he makes, he makes the bet to begin with with him. He's like, I bet you you can't date that girl. I keep on, yeah, I keep on thinking of not uh, another team, not movie? another team. Eric, yes! Eric Christian Olsen. <laughs> Speaking of names that I know, Eric Christian Olsen playing the ball. <laughs> I knew that you would think that I was whispering something in her ear, but I wasn't. And so it's just, yeah. The biggest, the best question, the best question is what happened to Usher's Usher's acting career after she's all that because he played a, a pretty pretty amazing campus DJ in that film. <laughs> Man, that is whack. That's and that's <laughs> isn't that uh that isn't that that's from the that's from that's from not another team movie. Is that Dooley Hill though, or is that somebody else? No, that's not Dooley no, Hill. No, it's um it's uh what's his name? Um, I was hoping you were gonna continue with the other phrases that he uses. Oh, because I don't care for him enough. So no, I just like how that's like exactly what what they say it's gonna happen. Oh, it's Dion Richmond. Him. That's right. Okay. Dooley Hill. No, he, he I know it was. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was Dooley Hill. Well, yeah, because uh, Psych is so serious. The West Wing is, but that wasn't under the same time. Yeah, but he, he was always the, the wacky black guy in the West Wing. That's not true at all. <laughs> <That's why> I, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? <laughs> There's no point where he's saying that's whack. <laughs> you don't remember that scene where, he, where he's with Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men? He's like, oh, that's whack. <laughs> broken up now. Uh, yeah, there's like a secret scene with him and Toby. They're just talking. and just like, <laughs> man, man, the president's going off the rails. Man, that is whack. It's like... <laughs> Uh, I can't believe you, Aaron Sorkin. You went there. More like Bartlett for governor next year. Am I right? Say what? Ah! Oh. <laughs> we keep going on this for an hour? Do listeners love this or what? Uh, let's, it was some sort of gang initiation. Let's move on. Let's move on now. Thank you for all the feedback, guys. Thank you very much. We, we love getting that. We love reading it on the show and answering questions and what have you. Uh, let's get to Out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are new movies coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. Um, not a big time because it's Christmas. You don't get a lot of releases, but you do get two. Oh, well, one this week. One is Insidious Chapter Two. Perfect for Christmas. Yep, you know it. If you really, if you, if you didn't get cold, you, you're saying it like, uh, like you. <laughs> Regardless, Insidious Chapter Two comes out. Um, and the week after, Don John comes out on Blu-ray, actually. Ah, Don John. Yeah. I think like that's the movie about a man dealing with his, uh, his family, his friends, his car, his church, his ride, his girls, and his where he, uh, where he lost his memory and he's living on a desert island and he grows long hair and then... No, wait, I think that's Don Juan. Don Juan DeMarco. Not necessarily next week, but the next show we do, we'll probably focus on Walter Mitty and Wolf of Wall Street, if I had to take a guess. Does that sound right to you, Abe? Yeah, it certainly does sound like a plan, primarily because the, the holiday is a weird time for everyone's schedule and also... A lot of movies come out during this time, so uh, we're going to fit in as many reviews as we can, because why not? All right. So, yeah, I think that yeah, that's going to do it for this episode, which is probably longer than we expected for a bonus episode, but there we are. 
And we got a lot of reviews done, a lot of other stuff done, too. So here we go. You can, of course, find all of my work at thecodazeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at wisebeblue.com. We are all doing our top ten list at Wisebeblue currently. I'll have three up by the time this podcast goes out. The uh, best Blu-rays of the year, some the video game list, and probably the worst films of the year list. I'll have my top ten films later on in the month. Um, Twitter.com slash Aaron's PS4 as well, Abe. You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag among thieves. Um, you can, of course, find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes and at Stitcher, also at hhwlod.com. That is the network that hosts our show along with the other shows involving comics and games and fun stuff like that. Our episodes can also be found at outnow.podman.com as well as youtube.com slash outnowpodcast. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on any of the movies that we reviewed today or your thoughts on the upcoming releases that are you know spreading wider and wider as we go. Interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast as well as twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Join the fight. And be sure to check out the various random pictures that we tend to post on our Tumblr, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. And feel free to send us a voicemail, 972-798-3830. Uh, you can hear your voice on the show, perhaps. Uh, granted, we actually have to receive the voicemails first ahead of time and uh, make sure they you know, fit for the show that we're doing. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode, um, or this this day's episode. I, there could, you know, we'll, we'll see how many bonuses we manage to get out during the holiday season. But with that said, happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Have a, have a safe and happy holidays, and <laughs> make sure to tune in to Out Now There Today while you're out doing things that do not concern us whatsoever. Uh, and this is where Aaron and I break in a song. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, happy holidays to you. Woo-hoo. Until next that was, time. That was excellent. So long. So long. Sorry. <laughs> I was just repeating and going with your tone of voice and your inflection. <laughs> so long. And goodbye. That's the best walking you can do. I like it. What? You swam with strength You loved with grace You touched us all With your expressionless face Dobie, oh Dobie May you find many treasures both emotional and monetary You were wise and loving And never contrary Dobie, oh Dobie I'll never forget thee
what? None of this matters because Morris Chestnut confirms third best man movie. Boom. Are you serious? Yes. Yes. Who loves chicken? You do. We do. Delicious chicken. Swing on through. Meet the crew. I'm local San Diego legend champ kind, and I believe in two things. Good chicken, and that the census is a way for the UN to make your children gay. So come on by and grab a wing, because when you do, you'll say, WHAMMY! Yeah, I gotta roll. Yeah, okay. gentlemen. Before Sorry. you roll, what is this? Yeah. Uh, what is this repeat thing? The, the future timeline or the timeline class you guys are so yeah. In the, in the very opening, remember the cat escapes, and so he has to take him because the door is locked. Yeah. In the last scene, or he maybe pen, penultimate scene. Yeah, out. yeah. Oh my gosh, you're right. That's the same. Is that the same? It's the, yeah. He's at the the Gordsteins or whatever. And yeah. like, he prevents the cat from getting out. And then that night, because he gets that, that face again. That, that previous yeah. night, he was well. That pre- in, the, in the beginning of the movie, you just kind of get hints that like, why are you making fun of this person? I'm hitting you now. And then at the end of the movie, you before the cat thing happens, he makes fun of some woman at the show and everything. Then after the cat thing that night, when he plays, then he goes outside and gets punched in the face for the exact same reasons by seemingly the same person. Yeah. yeah. So oh. it does. Totally. It, it feels like it could be like some kind of weird time loop, or that he's he's just stuck in a circle like Twelve Monkeys. Like that's a great yeah. example. Like it just it feels like there. I'm not saying that there's some kind of crazy sci-fi element to this movie, but it certainly seems right. like there's a, a grander purpose for the way it begins and ends. And interesting. I I definitely have to take a second look at that because I just thought that that was a second thing that happened. But I was wondering why it was showing me the same exact yeah. setup as, as the beginning. Because, you know, he puts his head out, and it's, like, exactly perpendicular to the door frame. And I was thinking, oh, well, you know, he finally just pissed the cat in because he remembers it from the first time. But it also got me But think- then he gets punched in the face again, which I didn't think about. It also, like, yeah. Oh. It got me thinking, too, because they, they reveal the cat's name is Odysseus. And Odysseus, of course, is on his odyssey. Ulysses. Like he's, Ulysses. Sorry, Ulysses. Well, this, yeah, just the same. Odysseus. <laughs> Well, Ulysses in the Odyssey. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same. Ulysses and it, Odysseus, those are the same names. Um, uh, but, like, I mean, the, it's the Odyssey, yeah, and it gets... The George Washington of, Bridge. Yeah. Like, that kind of revol- I mean, having the Odyssey kind of factor in as this weird kind of thing, it makes it... It. I mean, he's on a a, a journey that lasts forever, and it kind of seems like maybe maybe, um, maybe Oscar Isaac is on this journey that's lasting mm. forever. Is Ulysses a Greek mythology? Yes. Funny because uh, they also bring up Icarus in Anchorman too. So boom, we just super <laughs> nailed this. Icarus flew too close to the sun, so whose wings melted? I, I'm saying Odysseus and Ulysses are the same. Oh, name. okay. Once my bad. Ulysses I, is, I is the Latin version of Odysseus. It's the same. I did not, well, I did and they've already done the Odyssey though, and A Brother Out Thou. Like exactly, yeah, well, yeah. That's why it kind of times into that as well. Anyway, let's get back to the show. So I can yeah. send you off. Body 
like a cannonball. Oh, fare thee well, my honey, fare thee well. I remember one evening when the pouring rain in my heart was an aching pain. Yeah.